Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. So, hey guys, this is Danny J, and I am in the Moroccan studio with my good friend, Elizabeth Fay. Hi! <laughs> I'm so happy to be on the podcast. Oh my gosh. So, you guys, Elizabeth has been a friend of mine since 2014, 2015, and there's been so many times I've been wanting to get her on the show, and we just keep, I don't know, we talk about it, and then we have long conversations that we should have just hit record, and then we just had them offline. So now we're here actually online. Yeah, basically. And you're like on our show all the time. You're like a regular. I know. So but we, we do get... have all of ours offline. We'll have like amazing <laughs> conversations. We're like, oh, we should have recorded that. <laughs> so we're in Morocco right now. I'm actually here with Elizabeth on her mastermind retreat. It's she Well, I'll let you tell your story a little bit, but I'm going to just like brag about you a little. She is a creator of this amazing movement and brand called Hair Love. So she does this big thing called Hair Love Retreat, which I was a part of in May. Um, it's this ginormous, I you can't even really explain it. It's like, um, what's the fest? Coachella? It's like festival. Coachella and Burning Man. <laughs> no, like all of this amazingness in the middle of nowhere, like she just builds a whole city in, in Utah and then all these people show up and then tear it down. And it's, it's just incredible. And it's an incredible experience. And I had the opportunity, the amazing opportunity to speak there and just participate and um, just meet all the amazing women. And it was so incredible. And so this year she did her first mastermind that wasn't just for hairstylists in Morocco. And so we're out here, we're just finishing up actually tomorrow's our last day. And we've done like workshops on branding. She's a genius at branding. If you look at her stuff, it's just gorgeous. Um, and so anyway, we're just having a great time here. And so I'm really excited to have you. But because people don't know your story, I do. Like I want you to share with our audience, your like 16 year old, how you become a hairdresser story, like that part. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm a hairdresser and our company is mainly for hairstylists, but yeah, this trip has been literally the trip of a lifetime. This mastermind, we've been here over a week, um, camel rides, workshops, bonding, all the things. It's been amazing. But, uh, my story goes back of how I got into hair. Um, hair really saved my life and it was the thing that turned my world around. I'm from Las Vegas, originally born and raised there was a really, really troubled kid and teen, and at a young age, like 10, 11 years old, was getting into, like, drugs and boys and drinking, and um, by the time I was 11 and 12, I was starting to be sent to different schools every year, and then when I was 13, I started being sent to live with different families, just in hopes to kind of, like, take me out of my environment, you know, be around new friends, uh, basically for me to be fixed and stop getting in trouble. And when I was 12, I had stolen box color and I had ruined my natural, you know, blonde hair and colored it. And I was kicked out of the private school at the time for being a rebel and not having natural hair color. What color did you dye it? I dyed it black. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But like not all of it, like <laughs> yeah, large chunks. Of course, of course. And I did like the, the emo bangs, <laughs> you know, and the like spikes on top of your head. Thing. Yeah. 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 It was really good. 
Um, I, yeah, it was cute. And I was literally sitting on the curb waiting for my parents to pick me up because I'd been expelled. And a lady, like, came up to me and was like, you need to call this man. It was her hairdresser. <laughs> She's like, um, hello, little skunk child. Please call him. And so um, it was a hairdresser who worked at a really famous Paul Mitchell salon in the Mandalay Bay. And um, I didn't know any better. So my dad and I booked an appointment to get my hair fixed thinking, yeah, we need to call the big guys. Like, this is bad. And so I went into the salon and got a color correction and it, the experience totally changed my life. I, I felt cool. I felt like I fit in. I felt all these amazing things. And when I left my dad, I mean, I just remember him looking at me like my ass was grass. Right. Yeah. And you know, my dad, I mean, my, and you know, my dad, um, my dad leads the hiking at hair love he's a yoga teacher he wears overalls most of his life like us being in this environment is like very out of our norm um and so I came home and I had to work it off and working it off meant cutting wood Mm. and so I'd chop wood work it off and then I chopped more wood to be able to go back and get my hair done again and I brought the wood chopping money back to the salon (laughs) put the cash on the table and um, basically asked what I could get for that much and Brandon laughed and said put your money away went and talked to my father and they stroke struck a deal that if I would um, get better grades on my report card that he would do my hair complimentary and I would have to bring that report card in like payment wow and so that was you know a huge turning point and that was the only thing that up to that point in my life motivated me to think that I was possible of doing more, doing better, that it was worth it, that there was something to kind of like live for. I know that sounds so silly, but I just like felt very much like there wasn't anything to live for. But um, and it wasn't that getting my hair done was something to live for. It was the way I felt there. It was the feeling listened to, the feeling beautiful, feeling heard, feeling cool, fit in, you know, and in my religious home and everything, I just, like, didn't feel those things, and um, he did that for me until I was 16 years old, so it was not a one and done. He mentored me, and then at 16, I was a high school dropout, and the salon owner there said if I would, you know, stay clean and be a little bit more straight edge and do what he said, he would change my life. And I became a hair assistant and it changed my life. So crazy. I love this story too, because uh, Elizabeth and I met, we met in 2015. I had just moved to St. George, Utah. So funny that Elizabeth grew up in Vegas and so did I, but we didn't know each other in Vegas. So we just happened to have the same similar story around that time but I met her because I was rebranding and I had a photo shoot I was doing and I reached out on Periscope or Instagram and I asked for a referral (laughs) of a hair of a actually a a makeup artist so somebody sent me to Elizabeth she was doing makeup and we started talking and I was telling her what I did and um, some digital marketing stuff and she had just created a course and so we ended up working together and kind of doing some coaching stuff together and I just remember hearing your story about that too and thinking oh my gosh we're so similar because I was such a rebel and 16 I was pregnant and I was like in like in trouble and I went to a different high school and we both grew up in Vegas and we both grew up in the same background like religious but we just we're just a decade apart yeah (laughs) decade (laughs) apart didn't know yeah like didn't didn't know each other when all this stuff was going on but just came together each other in even more trouble (laughs) I really think we would have been bad definitely would have encouraged the 
bad behavior. Yeah, we would have been like. (laughs) (laughs) But what I love too is that you had these early mentors. And I think I know personally, I credit so much of who I am today to the like mentors I had when I was young. And I, what I see in you today a lot is that you want to just pour into people and be that kind of mentor that you, you are actually not try to, but you are that mentor to people who kind of need guidance too. Like you're that person who you needed when you were a little girl, which is really cool. So yeah. So Elizabeth has this big education program. Like she says she's a hairstylist, but she doesn't, you don't even do hair that much anymore now, do you? No, I'm like hairstylist turned, hairstylist turned hairstylist educator yeah hairstylist educator turned ceo of a hairstylist education company yes yes <laughs> that's, that's the way to put it yeah so she doesn't really she does my hair i think i might be the only person who's the only person besides models which you're my model i make you model because i'm like yeah. well if i'm doing it i'm gonna make you model <laughs> you don't really do hair anymore which is really cool too because we actually uh, i think a lot of people here because of jill and myself fitness background um come from like a personal training background and they're trying to move up to the next level and so yeah. you really modeled that um, I think that there can be always a next step. So if you're a hairstylist, there can be like the next step is education or, or owning a company. Or if you're a trainer, the next step can be like doing online mm-hmm. training. And there's so many different steps. And yeah. I think that's really cool to to hear because sometimes we think that, that like we plug into one career and that's it. And there's like, I mean, could you even imagine being or doing being who you are today or doing what you're doing today like 10 years ago? No, hell freaking no. <laughs> Yeah, just like half of it didn't even exist. Like there was no Instagram. There was no mastermind stuff. Retreat. I mean, can you imagine being in Morocco right now? No. Having this conversation? No, absolutely not. So I love this story and I just wanted people to hear that because um, just to hear the success and like I I think it's always important. I love story and you know that, but just I think it's important for people to hear that we look at people with success or big followings or like a lot of money or whatever we, we define success as. And we think for some reason, well, they were luckier than us or maybe their parents had a lot of money or they were born into something. And I like sharing stories like that because it's, it's not always the case. Like that wasn't your story. It was a lot harder and you got lucky in the fact that you had mentors, but also you had to choose to bring back that report card and do the work. Yeah, 100%. But I, um, I actually want to talk about more personal stuff today. I know. I know. You told me. And I'm, I'm open. I'm ready. So this, excited about this. It's something I don't, I mean, I would say I talk openly on Instagram, but not as deeply as we're going to go with this. Yeah. So, so let's get into your personal life a little bit because that's really going to kind of make sense as to why we were talking about this, the surgeries and stuff like that. So when I met you, you were married. So, and you got married pretty young. So kind of walk us through like your relationship and then what happened like up to your divorce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so fast forward, 16 year old, got into school, worked in Vegas, worked in Chicago. Then I worked in Utah. That's the fast version of that. And I got married at 19 and I got married. So I grew up very um, religious Mormon, but didn't attend church regularly from 11 to 18 at all. Mm -hmm. And, um, I kind of got back into it. I was lost and trying to figure out what I wanted. And I had met someone who I thought would fix it all. And I just had such a crazy, you know, go at it so far that I really thought a man would. And I mean, men are wonderful. I mean, my, my boyfriend is such a huge comfort and blessing in my life. But I just thought it would fix it all. There'd be a white picket fence. I'd have a baby and then it would be fine. 
And so I got married like fast, like met and married within four months. Wow. Like, I'm like almost embarrassed to say it, but, and people do it and it's successful, but, yeah. um, that's just like not in my nature to do that now. Like, but yeah. did that was married in the temple. So very quickly committed to a very serious religion, um, and a very serious relationship, obviously. And, um, very quickly into my marriage, things got really hard. And then I got pregnant four months into my marriage on accident on birth control. Oh, and you know, had my beautiful son and, um, when he was, oh man, two, one, I don't know, young Mm -hmm. divorce was on the table pretty much the whole time. And then it finally got to a point where it was no longer safe to be in the relationship emotionally, mentally, physically. And, um, Danny was a huge, huge support to me during that time. And I made a brave decision to leave a marriage and leave a religion that I was never meant to be in and to pick up my life and figure it all out. And I ended up um, becoming a single mom, a salon owner, starting my digital business on a whole new level. And that's when me and Danny um, met was when my marriage was rocky and then you know, within that year of our friendship, it really went boom, boom, boom. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, since then, um, I've had the blessing and the horror of growing a huge company. (laughs) It depends on the day. And I have a beautiful boyfriend and son and it's just crazy. It's good. And it's crazy. But what had happened was, um, all these things I had felt my whole life about my body, which we're going to get into, um, the second I got divorced, what happens is you're supposed to date. Mm-hmm. And I was no longer religious, so I was no longer wearing garments, which kept you modest, so I could wear a tank top, or I could wear things that showed skin or my body, and that was really um, an out of like sorts way to be and I just so badly like I would say so many women I wanted to feel beautiful I wanted to feel sexy so badly and that's something I craved and desired and obviously still do and it's important but um so much so that I spent about thirty thousand dollars at how old was I 22 yeah 22 23 22 23 years old um changing my body from my nose from a nose job to a breast reduction to a breast lift to a tummy tuck to full body lipo on my entire thighs on my back of my entire back my hips and my arms um I got Juvederm I got Botox I got I mean that you guys that's a lot of fucking surgery for a 22 23 year old yeah lip injections Botox I'm not necessarily I'm not saying surgery is bad or good I'm sharing an experience of um going through cutting up myself to feel whole yeah and having things taken out of me or put in me to feel like that's the space that needed to be filled or sucked away in order to be more feel more yeah there's a lot more that we can get into yeah (laughs) so much (laughs) I just got chills so much like it's so relatable because especially after divorce I I have many friends now who've been divorced, especially moms, where like you get married and you're with somebody who sees you go through pregnancy and it's just like, okay, I'm with this person. It's fine. But then suddenly you're out in the dating pool and you're supposed to be attractive and sexy again. And you're like, oh, wait, but 
when I was, before I was married, I didn't have these stretch marks. I didn't have this like stretched out skin. I didn't have all this stuff. And now I do, and I'm supposed to like feel confident and I don't. And it's like this massive fear. It's a big mind fuck. And then of course, society doesn't help it at all. And I think it could be so easy to go down that path and think that that's going to fix something. And it doesn't, but it also like, it can, it does some things for you. Like you can have a boost of confidence for a bit, but ultimately like if you like long enough, you're either going to like yourself or you're not. And I don't, I've had plastic surgery. I've had a boob job. I've do Botox. Like we did a, an actually an aging episode. So we talked about that a little bit of like people who decide like who's to say what's okay, whether you do Botox or not. Like if you're doing your nails, that's a body modification. If you're doing hair extensions, it's a body modification. And so I don't place any judgment on what people do um, with their bodies, but I do think that it's something we have to talk about, especially when we're doing it for... There's a lot of gray area. Yeah. And I think it's a question that asking yourself why you're doing it doesn't feel good. And I think feeling like you don't like yourself doesn't feel good and it's hard to admit I think the real trick of it all is mm-hmm. that I'm a confident person I'm an outgoing person I mean I've built a, to build a, a business as an entrepreneur successfully you gotta have some balls you gotta be aggressive you gotta believe in yourself so for someone like me to feel the way I felt about my body and not even realize it it's like I was tricking myself mm-hmm. I think that is interesting And I like look back now, um, you know, all the moments growing up, like I literally had all these issues with my body image. I didn't realize and I was a skinny kid, like from I mean, I remember starving myself in second grade because a boy told me I was fat and I was skinny. I remember stuffing in middle school, like all these things. I remember cutting myself like stuff that I like literally was like, oh, that's just teenager shit. And like looking back, I'm like, no, I actually was like judging myself I remember like you know pinching in the polling yeah um I mean I remember begging to get a water bra like in tears to my dad I mean ballet stuff I have all these stories about that because I have like a booty just naturally so no matter how you know it doesn't matter how skinny I am I have a booty and I just like never thought I had body issues because I was thin and I was really really thin and really self-conscious like I would never wear um a swimsuit without feeling very very unraveled and like that was very hard for me and those feelings I think what really was interesting the feelings that I felt at a size zero I felt at a size 12 Mm. and that's something that I've learned in the last couple years is that's the part the surgery doesn't fix and it really really hit me when I think it was a it was earlier this year it was earlier this year we're in 2019 Derek made some comment to me because this is super embarrassing. We were changing my mattress and I'm really always embarrassed to have like the nanny or the housekeeper. I sound so like bougie saying that the the nanny or the housekeeper, but like (laughs) change the sheets for me Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of blood stains on the sheets. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a lot of blood stains because I've had so much surgery that you bleed in your sleep and through your wraps and Mm -hmm. all this stuff. So like literally my bed looks like there was war on Mm -hmm. it and it's a really expensive mattress. So I didn't get rid of it. So it's kind of gross, kind of embarrassing, but I think just all women have blood stains (laughs) on their mattress. Oh God, mine looks like I murdered people on it though. (laughs) Like, but yeah, (laughs) I'm like, wait a second. Uh, I didn't have all of those, but my mattress is probably pretty bloody. (laughs) Oh, mine is so bloody. The worst periods. You're just like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, at least I'm not alone and he he kind of mentioned something about like why is there so much blood and I was like all the surgery and he's like 
why did you need so much surgery? And I was like, oh, I was so ugly. Like, I, I literally said I was so fat. Like, my stomach was so disgusting. Like, all this skin, all this stretch mark. Like, these words were coming out of my mouth yeah. of how just gross I was. And I remember thinking after, like, man, I, I must have been pretty fucking gross. Like, that was descriptive. And I looked for photos of what I looked like. And I was really shook when I found the photos. I was beautiful like and I'm not just saying that like like oh I my stretch marks were beautiful like I realized I had extreme body dysmorphia because I literally didn't have loose skin I literally had very minimal stretch marks I literally did not need a drastic tummy tuck where they cut and pulled my skin like I don't know what they did like and that was something that hit me it wasn't just like oh I looked back with soft eyes and thought oh I'm so beautiful I love my stretch marks it was like oh my god I I literally have been looking in the mirror my whole life and seeing someone that I wasn't like this is really serious and uh and I am the curviest I've ever been currently and a lot of it is you know learning my relationship with food what I want to be okay with what I'm not some of it's stress some of it's Mm -hmm. health issues so um you know I'm working on my health in a lot of ways right now but um I felt more confident in my skin now at a size 12 than I did you know like that and so I looked back at all of those photos and I, I was really like wow that's not that's not good. That's upsetting. And, you know, what really happened was I got all this surgery and the weight comes back. I got all this surgery and you're still the same person. I got all this surgery and you still feel something. It's just a band-aid and it's it's good if it's a lifestyle change. And it's really good if it can, um, you know, solve a problem. But there's like a limit and it became almost like an addiction of like a checklist of surgeries I had to have I mean I listed what I did that's a lot of freaking surgery that lot that young and there's a lot of like um, repercussions with that like big scars I might have complications if I get pregnant again I'll probably never be able to nurse Um, I could very well have breast plant illness and a lot of my health issues are pointing in that direction now like a lot of stuff happens and you don't just like get a boob job and then never get a boob job again like it's not a one and done thing and so that was kind of when I started a little bit of like looking into how I felt about things and why I felt that way and um, in spring I booked a boudoir session and I did it as like a healing thing for myself and it was really great which those pictures were so sexy and so fire. I love your body confidence. And I just, I wanted to do this podcast because I remember you and I had a conversation and you mentioned, I think we were just in your salon or at your office and you were like, Danny, I found those old pictures of me and my before pictures and I was fine. And I was like, wow, we have to talk about this because I think that, you know, I've been seeing a lot of, it's been coming up for me because I've been seeing a lot of people on Instagram post about getting explant surgery and having mm-hmm. uh, breast implant illness and taking them out. And I've just had this, like, I remember going into Rhythmia to ayahuasca and I was like, ayahuasca better not tell me to take my implants out <laughs> <laughs> because I was like, oh my gosh, my boobs looked so bad. And then I'm thinking in my head, did they look that bad? Or was it just like my perception at the time? And I started going, maybe they weren't really as bad as I thought they were. And 
And it's really, um, it's just an interesting, I just think the experience and sharing this is really important because for the person who maybe is listening, who is like, I'm booking a consultation because I need to have all of those things that you mm-hmm. just said. Like I need to get my boobs done and I need to get a tummy tuck and I need to get that. Like to listen to the people who've gone through it mm-hmm. and to come out on the other side and go, you know what? I was really okay. Or Yeah, I honestly wouldn't have done 90% of it. I probably would have got my nose job done. Yeah. That's the one thing I really loved that I did. Yeah. And it's it's interesting. And that's right. It's a personal thing. Totally. Right? Totally. But I, I did all that stuff with the wrong intentions. Yeah. I thought it would ma- give me the confidence I was wanting instead of doing the fucking work. And then what's left over, yeah. you know, comes from a healthier place. Yeah. It's interesting. It's very similar to when I was a trainer, I worked with a handful of people who had gastric bypass surgery. And I remember in particular, I had a client, her name was Jackie and I loved Jackie so much. And she was 150 pounds and she wasn't coming to me to lose any weight. She was just trying to like stay in shape, but she used to be 300 pounds. And she showed me her driver's license and her driver's license showed her as 300 pounds and she was five foot one. So pretty heavy for five foot one. And she showed me that and I was like, Jackie, why don't you get a new picture? Like you don't look like that anymore. And she just had this weird kind of like chip on her shoulder of, she said that people would treat her differently now. So she said men would make comments to her that they didn't when they were, when she was 300 pounds and they did when she was a hundred that they do now at 150. Yeah. And she kind of just kept it around. And it was weird because she would do things and move in a way as if she was still 300 pounds. So literally my personal training with her, we, for like the first couple of months, we didn't even do like real training. I did things like I helped her get off the ground. I can't even forget this. We were sitting on the ground stretching and I said, okay, let's get up. And I just popped up and she starts looking around like she needs to find something to, to grab onto. And I was like, what, what is she doing? And she was so used to being so heavy and not being able to just get up that in her mind, she still was 300 pounds. And I was like, oh. you're not 300 pounds anymore. Like you could just get yourself, like she could just literally put her hand down and push herself up. But in her brain, she was still this big woman and she needed help to get up. So we literally spent 40 minutes just having her sit on the ground, stand up, sit on the ground and stand up, sit on the ground and stand up yeah. just so she can feel like in her body and who she was. And so I think that it's really interesting when we do like a quote unquote quick fix, how the outside can change really quickly, but our mind doesn't catch up. So we still think we're that old version of ourselves and we still think we're, however, the, I'm putting finger quotes up. I know you can't see me, but the, like the ugly version of ourselves or the fatter version of ourselves or the whatever, the old version. And now we're a new person and the world sees us as a new person. The world treats us as a new person, but we're still acting and behaving and believing that we're still the other person. Mm-hmm. And there's a weird space in the middle that I think Mm -hmm. either your mind catches up and and like brings the confidence that you were trying to get, or you start to maybe have resentment like she did, like the people are treating me different, but I still am the same. Or there's the massive self-sabotage of like, I did all of this stuff and I'm just going to gain all the weight back, or I'm going to go back to what I was doing. And like, you did all that stuff for no reason. And I just think it's really fascinating um, because we have all these things at our disposal. Like if you have enough money, you can be a different person tomorrow. Like you can do all the surgeries, you can do everything. And yet inside, there's still a piece of you that's always going to be you that can't change. And you have to change that. 
Yeah. I love what you said. It's almost like you have to catch up or fall back. Yeah. It's almost like winning the lottery. It's like too fast, too good. Do you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it is exciting. It's exciting to look in the mirror and be like, holy shit, I look like a fucking Snapchat thing. Right. You know, with like huge, scary Frankenstein scars, but good enough. Right. Now I'm good enough. Right. Yeah. And that's just, it's not, it's not enough. Like we can't live like that in our heads. It's just, it's not good. It's not happy. It's not real. And yeah, I think it's worth sharing. I've like, sometimes I see girls talking about going to get surgery and stuff. And I always like want to share a little bit of my experience, not to like, and I, I don't, I don't, I would never want to step on anyone's toes, but I think it's good to hear both sides because it's, I wish I would have been more thoughtful. I wish I would ask more questions. So that's what I would say is like, seriously, do your research. You know, like if you're going to get a tummy tuck, um, it's the most painful surgery I've ever had. You literally do not recover for a year. Like I could not walk for a while. I was in a wheelchair. My stomach is still so weak. I can't sit up simply because I don't have the muscles Mm -hmm. and building them back takes so long. Mm -hmm. And there's been multiple times I've gone back to the gym and like pulled something. So I've had to stop and I'm young as hell. Mm -hmm. So there's just like repercussions. It's not that it's the end of the world and I'm broken now. It's just, that's a thing that like, who, who the hell knew that, you know? Um, there's risk with getting pregnant. You still can. It's just not recommended. Um, breast plant illness. Like um, one of my friends in town got a nose job and it went really bad. So I'm not saying this to scare people. Yeah. I'm just saying it so you're educated. And when you do obviously take that risk and that investment, um, you're you're really sure and you're really you're really good with it. Yeah. Because yeah thing you're different it's a different body to get to know and love and sometimes that's just a weird thing it's interesting I like having this conversation too because I can tell you're not anti-plastic surgery and I'm not it's funny because part of me goes well I'm glad it's there because like I like for me I'm going okay I'm getting older so I'm the kind of person who's like look if I need to do a facelift in 10 years like I'm gonna I'm gonna do whatever I gotta do to keep looking good if I had a couple babies and my stomach needed it, I would do a tummy tuck, like no question. But at the same time, I, at the same time, I hate the fact that we have a society that makes us feel that that's necessary. Mm -hmm. And so I feel really torn in this, like, I feel like I need to look a certain way. Uh, I feel pressured to look a certain way. And yet I feel like I buy into it as well. And and at the same time, I also feel like if you love your body and you go into it with you're not trying to um, like I got a boob job and I, I felt like when I went into it, I wasn't uh, I didn't feel like it would make me better, or happier. I was like pretty good with myself. I was like, you know what? My boobs aren't the greatest. They're not the worst. Like they don't ruin my life and I don't think it's going to fix my life. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I went into it with a pretty good mentality. And so I felt like that, that kind of justified it in a way. Mm-hmm. But. I still question my own self and that's why I like just having the conversation and a lot of these conversations on the podcast, I'm like, I don't have an answer. I'm just going to share. Yeah. Like I'm just going to share my perspective and even my own, my own, uh, like push and pull against myself, you know, like the own, the, the things that I have there, I'm like, I hate that I'm doing this, but I'm doing it. Um, but I, for me, I just felt, I did feel better. Like I didn't, I was confident before, still confident. Um, but I did feel like, okay, I can like wear clothes now that feel fit a little better. And so I was glad that I did it and I never regretted it, but I have friends who have had massive issues with breast implant illness and Mm -hmm. 
and regrets from things like that. And so, and I, I think about if I had a daughter, which I do, like if she wanted to, what would I say to her? And so those are the kind of questions that I wrestle with too, of going like, if she wanted to change her body, would I be like, you're perfect. You're fine. Why would you do that? You know, when you look at someone who is your child, who you love and you feel is beautiful and you would never want them to change. And if you could have your same eyes, but at the same time, I could see, like, I have a sister who, um, got a nose job and I saw her pictures before and I was like, yeah, if I had your nose, I probably would have wanted to do a nose job as well. So it's a really tricky one and I would never judge anyone for what they do. But I love having the conversation of like when we go to extremes like you did, especially right after a big trauma like divorce, yeah. it's um, it, it comes from a different place. And I think it's not uncommon. I think after divorce, you go through so many uh, emotions and roller coaster. It's such a roller coaster. And then your body is literally at the forefront. You're like, now I'm on the dating pool again and I already had a child. So I have yeah. to somehow, I'm quote unquote competing with all the women my age who haven't haven't had a kid and now I have to like put like I have to compete with these people and so I have to like be the best looking and it's just a weird it's just a weird place to be yeah but I don't know I love that you shared (laughs) all of those things and if you could go back or if you could tell like your own kid child daughter what would you say to your old yourself or your daughter to your 22 year old self Yeah. Oh, man. It's so hard because I wish that I could see my before photos the way I saw them now then. Because I feel like I just see them with so much more love and compassion. And so that's that's a hard that's a hard question. But um, I would I would spend time like if it was. If, the, if I was my own daughter, I would spend time teaching her how to, like, try to look at her body with love. Like, literally, like, standing in the mirror naked with love. Like, I don't think I ever purposefully did that before surgery. I only looked and, like, tugged and pulled, like, oh, damn, that's going to look good once it's like this. Like, I looked at it like a dream board of what I wish it would mm. be instead of, like you know, like looked at the good things and then like really like forced myself to admire it or like, you know, like you'd manifest in the mirror and feel crazy, but you do it anyways. I wish I would have done that. And I wish I would have like just tried dating a little bit with my mom bod and just like let myself see that like it was probably okay. Yeah. And then let the chips fall how they fall. Like, you know, maybe I still got something done. Maybe I didn't, you know? Yeah. And like now when I go in to get Botox, like I don't, I really don't go crazy. Like I get what I need done, but I literally used to be like, can I have more chin? Can I have more cheek? Can I have more lip? Like it was always like a $2,500 bill at like 25 years old. Like what the fuck? Yeah. Like my face was fine. Yeah. And so, you know, like I'm like, that's the bill of like a 39 year old. Just kidding. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> like there weren't even wrinkles to be filling you know and so now I go in and spend like 600 bucks and I'm like what was I buying before right so it's just like 
that's that's I guess what I would do. Yeah. And I would have done more research. Yeah. Like I didn't want to do the negative research. I only looked at the positive research and the success stories. And I looked loved before and afters. I didn't ever want to read about like explants and stuff. I mean, that's a whole nother topic. Like if you're going to get a boob job, I would have a serious come to Jesus with yourself about it and like go into explants because I'm not saying I'm against it, but like they're that's probably one I would like not do it unless you have to, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, it's a high risk. What kind of stuff have you done since? Because you seem like you did that boudoir shoot Mm -hmm. and literally we were just in the pool the other day on my Instagram story. We were like naked talking to each other and you, since I've been around you at least the last year, you seem really confident in your body and Mm What were the steps you took or what were the like the changes that were made inside you that finally got you to be where you're just accepting and not only accepting, but I feel like loving your body and who you are? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, So I would say one really good thing for me has been being around Maisie. She's someone who works for us. She manages all our events and she's someone who's very confident. Um, So, and I spend obviously a lot of time with her because we work together. So I would say being around people who are confident and non-judgmental, like my mother would pinch and pull at my body. Yeah. Maisie would be like, wear this it's even tighter like (laughs) so like having friends like and you do that like you're complimentary to me as well but I don't see you every day yeah and so I would say having people in your life who do that for you and it doesn't have to be your spouse like I would have it be someone else um and then the other thing I mean the boudoir shirt shoot like I highly recommend like doing it I was fucking terrified like doing that, um, going and having fun. Like I will go with my friend Maddie and we'll try on lingerie. It's just like forcing yourself to do the things that you're like, God, I don't want to do that. Yeah. And then I did a swimsuit photo shoot a few months after my boudoir one. And I was literally terrified. Like I had photos in the sun where you can see all your cellulite in a swimsuit. Um, that was really hard. Like I looked at Malia and was like, this is really hard for me to turn around and do this. Mm-hmm. Like I remember being 13, a size double zero and hating my cellulite. Like it wasn't my size. It was the cellulite that I yep. like equal to being so horrible. And I, I just fucking did it. And like, and like, and looking at the photos, like you're not always going to like them. And you have to talk nice to yourself and look at that and be like, hey, what's beautiful about this? Yeah. Well, like you have to force yourself. Like what would someone else who loves me think about this? Um, so that's been really good. And then just like showing up naked, like more than you want to really. <laughs> it's, you know? it's so true. We, I mean, I did. You met Jeff and we did a podcast about the naked, the Portland bike ride thing, the yeah. nude bike ride. And it was so we both said it was super empowering because like you, you have so many judgments about yourself. And then like you go, we went to this place where there's all these naked people and you're just like, Oh, like they have that too. Or they like, they like, it's everyone that has these bodies and we're like, Oh, we're just the same. Or like, there's no reason to be worried about that because either someone is quote worse than me and like, okay, I'm good. Or it's just like, it's normal. Like everyone looks like that too. So the thing that you think that's the worst, you're like, oh wait, everybody has that same thing. Mm-hmm. It like, well, and we just actually went to this hammam yeah, spa. Yeah, you got to tell them about it. So we went to this hammam spa in Morocco 
And there were two groups. So we had a group that went to the camels the first day and this other group went to the hammam spa. And the first group was telling us how crazy it was going to be. They were like, it's horrible. You're naked and you get sprayed in the face and it's just humiliating and they just wash you. And it's like so, I don't know. They made it sound like very dramatic and very uh, like violating. And so Elizabeth and I went, there was five of us. We were nervous. I know. We were super nervous. I was like, oh my gosh, this, I felt like what? I thought it was going to be like a dungeon in a gas chamber. I thought someone was going to make me come. <laughs> I was like half scared, half excited. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a gas chamber. So they said you go in this hot room on like a marble bed and like you lay there for 45 minutes and they just leave you alone and they, they walk away and you're just like, so I just pictured us laying in this hot, dark the room, like 150 there. degrees for 45 minutes and we can't see each other and no it was not like that at all it was beautiful it was it, lit <laughs> beautiful tile but it was so it was so interesting because we went into the room and so we there was five of us at this point and so there was a woman who was probably i think in her late 50s um there was the assortment of us between our 20s and 30s and a girl in there had well actually two of them both of them had one inverted nipple each mm-hmm. and one had a right inverted nipple, one had a left inverted nipple and, <laughs> and like everybody has so their own cute. insecurities about their bodies. Right. Yeah. But it was like, Oh, you do too. Like how crazy, like we had these ma- massive insecurities. Like the girl was like, I have an inverted nipple. And the other one was like, Oh my gosh, so do I. Mm-hmm. And then you just go, Oh my gosh, that's kind of cute. Like, let me see your, let me see your titties. Yeah, I thought it was actually really cute. <laughs> yeah. And like, it's just this interesting thing. So then like we all strip down and it's just like, once you're around all these bodies, you're just like, cool. We're just bodies with different things. And it's like, we all have our own insecurities. We all have our own things, whether it's a birthmark or a nipple thing or moles or like our skin, like who knows, but we all have these things in our I heads. I got all the scars from surgery. Yeah. I mean, like we all do have yeah. the things and it was just like, it was kind of like, okay, why are we all worried about? What are we all freaking out about? Yeah. And it was another, I think, freeing experience. Very much. And um, I think... And the women who watched us were very loving and... They were so sweet. Yeah. It felt like, <laughs> just like we're babies and they're just washing us. Like the So the hammam spa, you basically go into this room and somebody washes you. Like and you're naked. Yeah. Yeah, you're naked-ish. Like they give you this kind of paper G-string like and... They scrub you front and back and they spray you down and then they put some like clay on you, leave the room. And it was really lovely. And I didn't feel violated at all. Like it didn't feel as dramatic, but it was a very, uh, it was very interesting to just be there, like hear people's experiences and then have our own experience. And also I think just being naked in front of other people, as funny as it is, it's actually, I feel like it's super empowering for So all you girls go to locker rooms, just, you know, it's funny. That's a good challenge. (laughs) Like go to a gym locker. It's funny because I feel like when I was a trainer, we would always go like, oh, it's always the old people getting undressed. And I'm like, you know why? Because they don't give a fuck anymore. They're like, I don't care. And you know what? You should just get naked right next to that old lady and be like, what's up, babe? What's up, Barbara? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Karen. What'd you do with Judy? Hey, Judy, look at that. (laughs) Judy got an inverted nipple too. But honestly, I feel like we, this is, I think part of it is our social media and our media culture is we see these perfect bodies that are potentially airbrushed, 
surgery, genetic, like Based so tune, many things. Yeah, all of the things to make them look perfect and in real life. They may or may not look like that. And some people do have really beautiful bodies. For sure. And But it's it's just that we are inundated with the idea that that's how it's supposed to be. And that's the reality of the majority of people. And it's not. And I think if we can come to a place of first acceptance mm -hmm. and then love, I think we can then worry about the real actual shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then you get to take care of your body. Like now, my whole thing is I can't hate myself skinny. And so now mm -hmm. I'm just loving myself healthy, you know, whatever that means. And that means food and water yeah. and movement, you know, all the things we know we're supposed to do. Yeah. But when we do them out of hate, it doesn't work or feel good. And yeah. So good. Can't hate yourself skinny. Love yourself healthy. Yeah. Love it. Well, Elizabeth, where can people follow you online so they could see your gorgeous, sexy body? <laughs> oh yeah you can totally see it on instagram um it is hey elizabeth Thay, and that's where i hang out and then if you want to stock you're probably not a hairdresser but if you want to stock us um we are very stockable hair love retreat or hair love retreat.com yeah and then our podcast is hair love radio which you know, you can stock that as well. Yeah. Even if you're not a stylist, um, Hair Live Radio has some amazing guests, really it amazing really content. You do a really good job on the show. I've listened to some episodes and I'm like, yeah, girl, get it. Not my episodes, actually. I've listened to other episodes. <laughs> um, <laughs> and are, seriously, all of Danny's are like, uh, like most of them, you don't need to be a hairdresser to listen. I'd say there's literally like one or two that like you have to try to like pick apart like, oh, okay, I'm going to relate this to me. But and there's like. I don't know, 60 episodes right now. All of Danny's on there are fire. You should go listen to all of them. Yes, Hair Love Radio. It's so good. And if you are interested in coming to a mastermind retreat, it's not just for hairstylists. Uh, you can go to hairloveretreat.com and click on... Under retreats, it'll say business retreat. Yep. And we're going to have Bali 2020. Yes, Bali 2020. Oh my gosh, in fall and then January... Um, we will have Southern Utah and guess who's a coach there. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Lead coach Danny. <laughs> so you can come like if you are just an entrepreneur, service-based entrepreneur, graphic designer, photographer, creative, yeah, personal trainer. Yeah, digital products yep. or you work with clients or you're an influencer. Oh, it's for you. It's for you. It's amazing. And Elizabeth is amazing. Her story is incredible. And this is not the last time she'll be on. But thank you for sharing this stuff today because it just affects women. And yeah. it's just, um, I love that you are a strong, successful business owner and that you own your story and that you share this stuff and that you uh, mentor so many people. And I just adore you. So I feel the same about you. Love Peace you. out, people. Bye. Bye.